world side Who will face the foe? Who is on the Lord's side? Who for him will go? By thy call of mercy By thy grace divine We are on the Lord's side Savior be somebody can't preach after that, they're in trouble, don't you think? We're in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. I do want to acknowledge Mrs. McGovern also, because when we were in Anchorage for a month, preaching from church to church, she loaned us her car. I'm not sure if she loaned us her car or her husband loaned us her car, but she ended up losing her car for a month so that we could have effective ministry out there, and we do appreciate it. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 1, it says in verse 7 now, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which uh, was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began." 
I encourage you to write down, jot down some references tonight. Uh, if you struggle with fear and anxiety and memorize those verses, it will help you. Uh, but faith is the opposite of fear. Faith, the opposite of fear. Trust is the opposite of, of terror. Trust, terror. Hope is the opposite of horror. Dependence is the opposite of dread. And so, uh, for every good way of looking at what God wants us to do, the devil attacks our outlook with an opposite anxiety. He doesn't want us to enjoy nor follow through and do what God wants us to do. And so there are plenty, um, plenty of uh, things that we are tempted by Satan to fear. There's a lot of things. Fear. Some of them are a fear of darkness, uh, fear of storms and danger. We had a lady in our church, Mrs. Trump, and every time the forecast was for a thunderstorm, um, she either called me or I called her to try to uh, help calm her nerves. She was a widow lady and uh, lived by herself, and she hated storms. Uh, there's a fear of extreme height. I've known some people with that. The fear of death, of course. The fear of loneliness. There's a fear of flying in airplanes. I've known some people that had that. Uh, the fear of driving a car. Of course, in our day, there's a fear of COVID-19. There's a fear of a spider and a mouse. We've known these things for years. Of a snake or wasps or uh, dogs. Uh, fear of public speaking. Some people are afraid to get up and say anything publicly. There's a fear of meeting people, a fear of witnessing, a fear of becoming a preacher. What would it be if I had to become a preacher? Um, and a fear of making decisions, a fear of losing a job or going bankrupt or losing your house or not having enough food. There was a fear of lack of toilet paper back in March that caused a run on all of our stores. You remember that. There's a lot of things uh, that folks are afraid of. I found a list of phobias. Maybe you've heard of some of these. There's a cyber phobia, which is a fear of computers. There's a lunar phobia, which is a fear of the moon, a lunar. Uh, a chromatophobia, which is a fear of money. I don't think too many have that. There's, there's a klesiophobia, which is a fear of church. I do think some people have that. Astrophobia is a fear of lightning. Europhobia is a fear of the color red. I don't know about that. Uh, maybe some bulls have that, right? You know, they want to go after that red. Homophobia, homiletics, the fear of sermons. I know people have that. Uh, Pelodophobia, which is a fear of baldness. You'll find these all in the Bible. I'm just teasing. Uh, Triskaidekaphobia, uh, which is a fear of the number 13. Phobophobia, fear of fear. Agoraphobia, fear of crowds. Good night. On and on it goes. Aren't you glad I'm done with that? Um, there are a lot of fears, in other words. All fears fall into two categories. There are good fears and harmful fears. Good fear would keep you from driving 100 mile an hour 
keep you from getting in the way of somebody that was driving 100 mile an hour. It keep you from riding with somebody who drives 100 mile an hour. It, there's a good fear of picking, uh, of picking up a rattlesnake. I don't think I want to do that. Some people do. There's a fear of jumping off a building. That's a good fear. A fear of eating poison, swallowing it. Fear of grabbing a downed electric line. Uh, you ought to have that kind of fear. Certainly the fear of the Lord is a good fear, amen, and a healthy fear, one that we ought to have. But there are also harm, there's a harmful fear, and this is the spirit of fear that's talked about in our text. Uh, this fear paralyzes us from doing things that we could and we should do. We're held back by fear and shouldn't be. I wonder, do you have a fear that you need to overcome tonight? As you sit here, as you came in tonight, and maybe not right this minute or right uh, today, but you have been entertaining a fear and it's holding you back. Whenever God gives you a new assignment, He knows that you will have to overcome fear. In my case, it was leaving the church that I pastored for 23 years. And to launch out into evangelism, traveling all over the country, which is not the same thing as pastoring. How will you be received? Uh, will you be able to even make it? Uh, afford it? Or whatever else. There were fears to overcome. And there are fears for each one of us to overcome anytime God gives us a new assignment. For example, as early as Genesis 15 and verse 1 when God told uh, Abraham that he was going to have a son and there were things ensuing in his life at that time, he prefaced his instructions to Abram by saying, Fear not, Abram. Why? Because he knows there's going to be fear whenever he dictates to us a new assignment. Uh, when Hagar cried out to God for help in the wilderness... God prefaced his deliverance in Genesis 21:17 with the words fear not. Again, things were going to change. And uh, whenever God asks us to travel in unfamiliar territory, he knows that we will have to overcome fear of the uncharted path that we're headed in. When Jehoshaphat and Judah had to fight a battle against the confederation of countries in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 17, God foresaw that they would fear that battle. And so he told them in verse 17, 2 Chronicles 20, 17, Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And that's the key to all of our fears. The Lord will be with us. God wanted Joseph and Mary to marry and have the Christ child. But he told them in Matthew one twenty, uh, he sent an angel to first warn them, to fear not, because there was a new path in their life. 
And whenever we embark on a new path that God has led us in, there will be fear. When Jesus prepared to leave the earth and return to heaven, he told, first told his disciples in John 14, Let not your hearts be troubled. Your hearts be troubled. Why? Because it's going to be a new path now. I'm not going to be here, but I'll send a comforter. And you're going to be doing a lot of things with me in absentia, but I still will be with you through the Holy Spirit. Sixty-three times in the Bible we find the phrase, fear not. Fear must be overcome every time God dispatches you to do something new. But God and Christ have commanded us to fear not. And I believe that God may be saying to someone today, tonight, fear not. There's a situation in your life you don't have to fear. Each of us must overcome our fear. But the big question in the room is how? I'm preaching tonight on overcoming the spirit of fear. Overcoming that spirit of fear. Let's pray and we'll get right into it. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, a good many of your servants have gone through what I've gone through, what Shirley's gone through, and uh, all your servants go through this from time to time. Lord, we just need to be reminded again of what you have in mind. And that you never had in mind for us to fear. So Father, in Jesus' name, help us. Uh, some brother, some sister here, some young person may be facing a fear they need to overcome. Maybe you've charted a course for them and it's banked on either side with some fearful situation. I pray, O oh Lord, that you will dispel those fears tonight and let their confidence in you soar. Let them trust you to be able to help them on that new path. We'll give you all the praise and glory, for it's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I want to give you uh, several points, I think three tonight. Number one, understand how Satan stirs up the spirit of fear. Now, if you're going to uh, have victory over fear, you need to understand this point of how Satan does this. In 2 Timothy 1.7, once again, our text, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. And it goes on from there. God hasn't given us fear or anxiety that we have. So ask yourself, where did this come from? If it didn't come from God, where did it come from? Who is it that would want me to disobey God? Who is it that would want me to hesitate to be miserable, to doubt God, to doubt His direction and His will. Who is that? Who would want God's vision to be squelched and hindered in my life? Well, we all know the answer to that. That is the devil. The devil is the one who would want to squelch God's will. So Satan uses past sins to condemn us. He reminds us of our weaknesses and failures to beat us down until we feel unworthy and incapable to do what God is asking us to do. But we must say, uh, get thee, what? Behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. Satan uses our potential 
a failure to scare us. He loves to pose questions that assume our failure intending to create doubt and fear. What if you can't do it? What if you do something wrong? What if you fail? What will everybody say if you slip up and fail at it? He appeals to our pride. Satan uses the certainty of criticism. Uh, he says something like, uh, you know that if you take this step, somebody will criticize you. You're exactly right. He was exactly right about that. You will be criticized. You think your pastor gets any criticism when he preaches a couple hundred times a year, counsels from the Bible, has to confront people and issues? You think he ever gets criticized? No. Of course he does. Satan has been trying to divide every local church during this COVID crisis and its aftermath. I'm getting phone calls from preachers all over the country that I know, and I ask them how it's going, and they tell me of the division that's occurring in their church. I watched it in our church, heard it from them. Some criticized the pastor for shutting down. Some criticized him for starting up and uh, criticized him for how he does it and how he doesn't do it. And uh, he really can't win. Um, this division and contention, saints, is hatched by a sat the sat satanic forces that hate our churches. And so he's laughing at us as we pick each other apart. And it's not of God. And we need to be aware of his devices. Could I encourage you not to think evil of one another? And especially during this time, pray for one another. Pray for your pastor. Don't let Satan divide you from your church. Don't let it happen. We may have some folks on a live stream. Just don't let it happen. Everybody's patient. We understand some have to uh, feel compelled to stay home for a while. And that's not a problem. But let's love each other. Amen. Pray for one another. Uh, you need to have a tougher skin than to be so sensitive. And uh, patience with each other. Jesus had critics. You will have critics if you do the will of God. It's just how it works. There's always an armchair quarterback who's never thrown a, a, a pass. And so Satan loves to steal. Listen to me carefully. Steal kill and destroy us any way that he can do it but Christ on the other hand uh, plans for us to have abundant life right that's the contrast in that verse fear is one of Satan's tools to stop us we've got to understand it doesn't come from God it comes from Satan if we can identify that uh, then we're ready to do some battle uh, secondly, turn to Philippians chapter 4. And I want everybody in this passage, we're going to tear this passage apart on this topic. Learn how to overcome fear from Paul, from the Apostle Paul. Here, Paul's prescription for overcoming fear as a Christian begins with verse 4 in chapter 4. Philippians 4.4 4. Practice daily joy. Here's what he said. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
And again, I say rejoice. Curious to me that he says it twice, but he knows that sometimes we don't get it the first time, I think. I think that's what it's all about. Rejoice. Practice daily joy to have victory over fear. You and I have to consciously decide to sing through our fears. To sing. Let God give you a song as you're going through the fear that you're facing. Joy is an act of your will to dwell on God and on His truth. And when you have that, you'll have contentment and joy. I think joy has been a theme today. Your pastor opened the service tonight praying for joy. He taught Sunday school class on the importance of joy in the family. It's a determination not to succumb to our fears and our anxieties. Rehearse all that God has done for you. Remind yourself of who we're talking about when we're talking about our God. I mean, uh, we ought to refresh ourselves on a knowledge of God. This is the God who is all-powerful. Is there anything our God cannot do? No. And with men it may be impossible, but it is not impossible with God because God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing, so He has the answer to your dilemma. Uh, he has purpose for me. He has purpose for you in what you're going through. He has a purpose in it to help you. He is patient. He is kind. He's loving. He's faithful. He has all wisdom and knowledge. He is sovereign, which means he can do whatever he determines to do. He wants the best for me. He wants the best for you. We've got to believe that, saints. That's our God. And God is enough. He's all we need. So whatever the fear is, joy is a decision that you make every day that you will be content with your God. God is enough. And Paul and joy helps dispel that fear. Paul commanded believers to rejoice in the Lord always here. And he said always. And where was Paul when he wrote this? Oh, he was living in luxury. I mean, he wasn't, uh, he didn't know what I was going through. No, he was in prison. This is a prison epistle. And he's in prison, and yet he is experiencing joy uh, like uh, Peter did when he was in prison and they sang at midnight. Same principle here. Uh, and uh, he was facing death, Paul was, and that would be fearful, don't you see? And yet he says, rejoice. We can rejoice in whatever state we find ourselves. We can go to the Lord and practice daily joy. Secondly, the next verse teaches us that we need to practice daily patience. Daily patience. In verse 5, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. A lot of fear and anxiety is really anger at not being able to control your situation. We go through that. Um, Shirley and I do on the road. And it's not 
the way that we want it, that kind of thing. And so we fear, we become anxious. It's really sometimes anger, frustration. The word for moderation means patience. Look it up. Paul's saying, quit being anxious. Calm down now, saint. Take a few deep cleansing breaths. Remember, God is with you, and it's going to be all right. You're going to get through it. It's out of your control, maybe, but it's not out of His control. And you're trusting Him and walking with Him. He's your co-pilot, and it's going to be just fine. So practice daily patience, relax in Christ, and wait for what He has for you. There's a lesson in what you're going through. Learn the lesson. Ask God, God, show me what you're trying to teach me here. And He will. Now this waiting is not sitting and doing nothing. Rather it is as Christ said, Occupy until I come, Luke 19.13. Be patient as you are being obedient and joyful. Number three. In every verse, the very next verse I should say, Paul writes, practice daily trust and prayer. Daily trust and prayer. Uh, it says in verse 6, this is how we overcome Satan and fear. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That's prayer. That's prayer. Prayer is an act of trust. We only go to God in prayer because we trust God. People that don't trust God don't pray. And uh, the only way to overcome anxiety is a trust in the Lord in prayer for our burdens that we're bearing. Paul says, don't be fretful. Rather, in everything, pray. And there's the daily aspect of it. In everything. Now, if you, if it said, in whatever you face just today, pray, then it wouldn't be daily uh, prayer and trust, but this is daily in everything. Give your fears and anxieties and situations to God and do that over and over again as many times as you need to to get relief. When I was pastoring, um, there would be burdens. Burdens in the congregation. You've been around church work long enough and in the church long enough that you know that churches have burdens. There are uh, people... Uh, Situations, there are issues, there are all kinds of things that happen in the church. Well, um, I would go to bed at night and I would lay there and I would try to figure them out. And I would dwell on those problems. I'm not proud of that. I'm just saying that that's what would happen. And I would sit there and I would worry and I would have anxiety. And so... I knew what the Bible said about this, so I would go to the Lord. And I mean, Shirley's asleep, and I'm laying there, tossing and turning in anxiety about the situation that's on my heart at that time, and it was different all the time. And I would go to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I want you to deliver me from this. I'm trusting you. You're going to bring good out of this, and you're going to solve it. And allow me to sleep. I have a busy day tomorrow. I need your help to be able to sleep. And so take this fear away from me. 
Oh, I felt so good. Glory to God for the next five minutes. And in about five minutes, involuntarily, I didn't even know that my mind was going back to the situation. It was unbelievable, uncanny. But I would be reverting in my mind to that situation. I did have deliverance for a a few minutes there. And so I knew as soon as I caught it, I would say, I'm sorry, Lord, I didn't mean to keep reverting back to that. Please deliver me from this fear and this anxiety or worry, whatever it was, and uh, bring good out of this. And I would pray. And don't you know, he would give me deliverance. For about 10 minutes, I was doing all right, just relaxing there, and all of a sudden my mind would go to this, and what if this happens, and what if that happens? You ever play what if? That is a dead-end street, but I've done it, and so have you. And I would have to pray again. And when we realized that uh, the answer is daily prayer and trust, no matter how much it takes, we have to fight that battle in prayer. Keep taking it to him over and over again. Learn Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. He spoke a parable to them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You don't have to be bearing that burden. In the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, we sing it. It says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry what? Everything to God in prayer. It's reminding us. The song is reminding us. And the songwriter, and I believe God, as we sing it. James wrote that we have not because we what? Ask not. So saints, let's ask. And keep asking if needs be. And ask God for deliverance from fear and anxiety. Remember what Isaiah said in Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is what? Stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. To overcome fear, practice daily joy. Practice daily patience. Practice daily trust and prayer. Number four is in verse 7. Philippians 4, 7. Practice daily reflection. Daily reflection. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Take time to contemplate the many ways that God has calmed you in the storm in the past. Now listen, we're none of us novices at this. All of us have gone through storms in our life in the past. Is that right? Amen. Yes, we have. And so reflect on that. Contemplate that. In that reflection, you need to practice mind control. That is, determine what to think. Not to dwell on whatever pops up in your mind, but to count your many blessings and name them one by one. That's a good song to sing. Inventory the good things in your life and around you. Make a thanksgiving list of good things to think about. And that's the context here in verse 8. In verse 8, he's talking about how we think. And he says, 
Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. We need to get control of our thinking. We wouldn't fear so much and we wouldn't dwell on the anxiety issues so much if we could get control of our thinking. Now, we don't do this enough. It's sad that God's done so much for us and all around us uh, that we never take time to savor what He's done. This is a great mistake Christians make. And if we did take an inventory of the good things, we would have more gratitude and dwell on those good things. I've set aside in my prayer life, I was telling your preacher, Thursday as praise and thanksgiving. And we're always asking for things, asking for things, and that's what God wanted us to do. But also the Bible teaches us to have praise and thanksgiving. Thursday is a time where I sing songs, I rehearse who Je- who Jesus is, who God is. I I have a list of thanksgiving and, and answered prayers, and I rehearse every one of them before the Lord. Thursday is that time for me. Every good business takes regular inventory to see what resources are available to them. Do an inventory tonight and discover, rediscover all that God has done for you to overcome. Fear, Paul said one more thing we need to pick up here in verse 9. Practice daily obedience. Daily obedience uh, of what you know to do. In verse 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Notice that when we do what we have been taught to do, what we've seen other believers do that's right who is with us the God of peace is with us it's hard to have peace and anxiety at the same time and so comfort undisturbed untroubled dispelling fear so how did Paul teach us to overcome fear by practice he practiced in prison daily and instructed us daily joy daily patience daily trust and prayer daily reflection of what God's already done daily obedience finally we can overcome fear number three now tonight first of all Satan is the uh, one who brings these fears on us he stirs it up secondly we learn from um, uh, from Paul but now learn from David in the situation with Goliath 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 32. And that will be the last verse that I ask you to go to tonight. 1 Samuel 17, 32. We're almost finished. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Talking about Goliath. Thy servant will go and fight this Philistine. Well, Goliath was over nine feet tall. We know that. And David was just a shepherd boy. Now, how did David face Goliath without fear? How did he do that? All of us have our Goliaths. 
that God wants us to conquer. And so this is a good study. All of us have those things that intimidate us day after day, just like Goliath had been doing to uh, Israel this time. And um, those fears haunt us and accuse us and make us very miserable. So what shouldn't you do to overcome your Goliath? What not to do first? Well, don't lose your enthusiasm. Because fear hath torments. It can paralyze you and steal your joy. Don't lose your zest for following God and doing His will. Don't do that. What shouldn't we do? Well, don't focus on your fear and how you can't do it. And I've had Christians I've talked to, and they have fear and anxiety. And they say, well, I, I, can't, I can't do that, Pastor. I know what the Bible says, and I know what this is preached. But I can't do it. Don't focus on what you can't do. Our God can do anything, can He? And so we're going to trust Him. They wake up thinking about it. They're troubled. And they dwell on it all day long. They go to bed. They, they sleep on it. And uh, try to figure out a way, like I was telling you that I did. Uh, rather, focus on Christ and the Word, not on your fear. Focus on the fact that it's all in God's hands. And then what not to do? Don't isolate yourself and go into a shell. Some people say, well, I can't come right now. I'm dealing with some things in my life. That's the very time you need to be in church. You need to be here. You need to encourage me the saints. You need to hear the word of God. And so uh, don't isolate yourself. Don't withdraw when the spirit of fear comes upon you. This is where selfishness takes over and you start feeling sorry for yourself. And it, it goes into making dumb statements like, I have to take time to find myself. Some people say that to me and act it, say it sanctimoniously like they're kind of a step up spiritually and they're really taking steps downward and they just don't know it. Well, I have to find myself. I have to get a grip on who I am. I have to take time for me and take care of me now. The church doesn't work for me anymore. The church wasn't supposed to work for you. Jesus worked for you. And so you need to come and get encouragement from the Word of God. You'll find yourself a lot faster here than you will anywhere else. What you're going to find out in the Scriptures, if you search the Scriptures, is we're all sinners. <laughs> And uh, the only hope that we have is in Christ. Flying in the face of all of this self-attention and excuses of why we can't do what God wants us to do, Paul is making a declaration in this text. Did you see it? Verse. We're back to uh, Philippians. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Can we do easy things? Yes. Did he say we can do just a few things? No. He said we can do all things. All of them. Therefore, quit dwelling on what you can't do. The truth is you can't do it alone, but through Christ you can do all things. Whatever he asks you to do, you can do it. I was, I came from a home where my mama was saved and my dad would persecute mom if she went to church on Sunday. And I was a bus kid. They took me to church because mom couldn't go many Sundays. 
And the thought of becoming a preacher was frightening. But we can do all things through Christ. Amen? All things. You have the prospect of maybe teaching a Sunday school class when things get back together. I can do all things. Maybe of ushering or or helping with a banquet or doing something else. You can do all things. Amen. I like that thought. The truth is, we can't do it alone though. But with Christ, we can. So we need to quit making excuses and say, I can't. Dwell on I can through Christ. So what should be... Uh, what should you do to overcome your Goliaths? Number one, face the Goliath. Nobody was willing to face the Goliath in that day except David. You, you need to have the courage and faith to go out against your Goliaths with confidence that God will empower you to overcome whatever that thing is in your life that you're fearful of. And remember, you're not alone. Face your Goliath tonight. With the Lord. That's what David did. Number one, face it. Number two, recall how God has helped you in the past. And that's what David did. He rehearsed how God had empowered him to kill the lion and the bear without a gun in his hands and recover the lost sheep in 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. What victories has the Lord helped you to gain in the past? Well, recall them, think on them, tell others about them, build yourself in the faith. Uh, And know that the same God that helped you in the past is the same God that you serve today and He'll help you through this one too. Realize, number three, that you can't fight uh, fear the world's way. And Saul offered the armor, his armor, big coat of mail and everything to David. And David couldn't, he, he couldn't even stand up under it. And so we can't do things the world's way. And, um... God doesn't receive glory that from that. And fourthly, rise and get on with your life. Make sure that you're in the will of God and do it. From verse 52, we learn that David triumphed over the giant and the army of Israel was then able to attack the Philistine army and win the battle. But before that, for 40 days, they were at a standstill. They were paralyzed by their fear and fear will paralyze us but when we fight it with God's resources we are able not only to triumph but but to move forward in our lives God wants you to move forward in your life and brother encouraging word tonight you can be victorious over fear in your life overcoming the spirit of fear every head bowed every eye closed Bennett.